Hello, welcome to this last episode of Hope Stream FM Weekly Bible Study Review for the year 2022. It was nice studying the Bible with you throughout this year. This week, our topic is All Things New. The Bible text is Revelation chapter 21, verse 25. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for every lesson we learned from your word this year. Thank you for revealing yourself so mightily to us throughout the year. Grant, O Father, that every lesson we have learned will count in our walk with you. Keep us alive. Lord, keep us healthy. Dear Lord, keep us strong and faithful. Let your blessings rest upon this, your child, today, tomorrow, and always, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Bible is full of texts that give us hope of a better home and of a better future. Based on this hope, believers throughout all ages have always looked forth to a better future according to the promises of God. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 13. Despite the many promises about the recreation of the world, however, some people still view the idea of a new heaven and of a new earth as fantasy. The Apostle Peter released this fact in this way. But although in the last days scoffers will ridicule our blessed hope. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 to 7. The Bible is very clear that though we may have it hard at present, one day we will have our reward in heaven. This week we will reflect on the glorious promise of a new heaven and a new earth, including the heavenly temple, the presence of God the end of death, the end of tears, and finally, the ultimate triumph of God's love. A new heaven and a new earth. Isaiah 65, verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. How physical is the promise of a new heaven and a new earth made in Isaiah chapter 65? Verse 17. Greek philosophers believed that whatever was physical cannot be pure and spiritual. To them, if heaven must be a pure place where righteousness and righteous people would dwell, then it must be a spiritual place and not a concrete or physical heaven. But by contrast, the Bible speaks of heaven in concrete terms as a real and physical place. In Isaiah 65, verses 17 to 25, and 66, verses 20 to 23, the prophet Isaiah provides interesting details of the physical nature of heaven, as well as glimpses of how the earth will be, how the earth would have been also if Israel as a nation had remained faithful to their covenant with God. He writes that the whole environment with its various expressions of life would have grown more and more 
towards God's original plan before the entrance of sin. Thanks be to God that after all, after Adam and Eve fell, God still established another covenant through his church. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. To further buttress the point that heaven is a physical place and not an imagination or a spiritual idea, Ellen G. White painted more vivid pictures about heaven in The Great Controversy, page 675. There are ever-flowing streams, she writes, clear as crystal, and beside them, waving trees cast their shadows upon the paths prepared for the ransom of the Lord. There the wide-spreading plains swell into hills of beauty, and the mountains of God rear their lofty summits. On those peaceful plains, beside those living streams, God's people, so long pilgrims and wanderers, shall find a home. Praise God. In the temple of God. Revelation 15, 5 to 6. After these things I looked, and behold, a temple of the tabernacle of a testimony in heaven was opened. And out of the temple came the seven angels, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen, and having their chests guarded with golden bands. Some people view the entire heaven as a temple or sanctuary of God. But the Bible reveals that inside heaven, there's a visible temple, the heavenly sanctuary or temple where God also abides. The temple has always been the place where the heavenly hosts worship God. But with the appearance of sin, that sanctuary also became the place from which salvation is offered to humanity. When the same problem is over, the heavenly sanctuary will once again revert to its original function. But in Revelation 21 verse 22, John wrote that he did not see a temple in the heavenly city. What does this mean? Did the temple in heaven suddenly vanish? Two reasons may account for John's hint that he did not see a temple in the city. One, it could be that at this point, John's attention shifted from the temple to God himself, who is the object of worship. Hence, he never saw the temple anymore. Second, we have to understand that the heaven symbolizes, that the temple symbolizes two major activities. One, worship, and the other, intercession. John may have focused his attention at this time to the work of intercession, which had already ended before the recreation of the new heaven and the new earth. The end of the intercessory ministry of Jesus could have meant that the temple was no more needed for intercession. Hence, the revelator never saw the temple anymore. In any case, we must understand that a visible temple exists in heaven. In this temple, the God of all creation, the Almighty One is worshipped. As Revelation 14 hints, the redeemed of all ages who have come out of great tribulation and who are witnesses of God's redeeming and transforming power will worship Him there forever. They will sing praises to God 
for who he is and for what he has done for them. In the presence of God. 1 Timothy 6 verse 16. Who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. The Bible says that God dwells in unapproachable light. 1 Timothy 6 verse 16. And that no one has ever seen God. John chapter 1 verse 18 and 1 John chapter 4 verse 12. Does it mean then that the saints in heaven have never seen God the Father? Or that the saints who will be ransomed, who will be taken to heaven, will never see God the Father? Not at all. It is quite evident that not seeing God refers to the human beings after the fall. Because there are several indications in the Bible that the saints will actually see God in heaven. Matthew 5 verse 8, 1 John 3 2 to 3, and Revelation 22, 3 to 4. To show that the saints shall see God in heaven, the same Apostle John, who stated that no one has ever seen God in 1 John chapter 1, verse 18, in John chapter 1, verse 18, and in 1 John chapter 4, verse 12, also declared that we shall see him as he is, 1 John 3, 2 to 3, and that we shall see his face. Revelation 22, 3-4. Matthew wrote in Matthew 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. What a privilege it will be for the redeemed to worship God in his temple. But a supreme privilege of all will be not just to worship him, but to see his face. The people of God will be privileged to hold open communion with God the Father and the Son. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, Now we see through a glass, darkly. And Ellen G. White continues in the Great Controversy, pages 676 to 677. We behold the image of God reflected as in a mirror, in the works of nature, and in his dealings with men. But then we shall see him face to face, Without a dimming veil between, we shall stand in his presence and behold the glory of his countenance. But notice, my friend, that in some of these verses, there's a link between purity and seeing God. Matthew 5, verse 8, the pure in heart will see God. 1 John 3, verse 3, everyone who hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. These verses reveal that we must strive individually to yield our whole hearts to God so that he would purify us and so that we would see him. No more death. Revelation 21 verse 4. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. In Revelation 21 verse 4, the Bible presents a contrary doctrine to the doctrine of suffering forever in an ever-burning hell, the doctrine of recreation. Life can be very hard, unfair, cruel. Some loved ones have been brutally taken away by the cold hands of death. Many have been betrayed by trusted friends and family members. 
How terrible it can be to be betrayed by someone whom we love and trust. In the midst of the terrible wickedness of this present age, the Bible promises that someday there will be no more pain or sorrow, no more crying, no more death. Ezekiel 25 verse 8 and Revelation 7 verse 17. Furthermore, the Bible reveals that the earth would be fully restored to its original perfection. When all things are made new, what a comforting promise. What a joy to know that someday sufferings and pains and sorrow and death would be no more. Perhaps our greatest comfort will come from experiencing the defeat of death itself. When the redeemed will shout joyfully, where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? 1 Corinthians 15, 54 to 55. The Lord promised that in the new heaven and in the new earth, which he would create, the former things will be no more and will not be remembered anymore, nor will it ever come to mind. Isaiah 65, verse 6, 17. Simply put, our past experiences will not undermine the enduring joy which heaven will provide. Praise God. His name on their foreheads. Revelation 22, 3-4. And there shall be no more cause, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. At the center of a plan of salvation is a beautiful promise of life eternal based on the merits of Jesus. To all who accept him by faith and a promise that the redeemed shall have the name of Jesus written on their foreheads. What does this mean? If we have the name of Jesus written on our foreheads, it means that we can no longer turn away from him. We can't turn away from Jesus anymore forever. It means that our thoughts, our actions, our worship, our whole existence would be his forever. What a privilege. In conclusion, we have been given the assurance of salvation if we accept Jesus and surrender completely to him. The assurance of salvation includes also the certainty of a new life someday in Christ. Please pray with me. Eternal Father, hallowed be your name. Thank you for your forgiving grace, which was made manifest on Calvary. Thank you for the assurance of a new world and a new life in you. Help us to believe you daily and to live in view of your promises. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. For questions, contributions, and prayers, please reach out to me on WhatsApp on plus 234-903-789-1680. God bless you.